Hello and welcome back to episode 14 of the Casual Footy Fans podcast with me, the Casual Stoke City fan. And as ever, I'm joined by my co-host, the Casual City fan. And after a week of the Euros, who really are the dark horses of the tournament? And can Wales recreate their 2016 Euros campaign? On the other hand, I'll be discussing the opening match, as well as our predictions. So, Casual City fan, as you touched on in the intro there, we were a good uh, week into um, Euro 2020, here in 2021. Um, it's the Thursday after the beginning of the tournament, so we just started the second game week. And this week, you want to discuss who are the dark horses. So, shoot. Well, a lot of people had their money on Turkey. There was a lot of people saying, oh, they have a nice squad. And to be fair... You don't blame them. They had a solid defence. They had Demiral, Kabak and Soyuncu. They had great, great seasons. They also had Yilmaz up front, who'd scored a lot. One league, one for Lillen. They looked like a good team, but after their first two games, they've conceded five goals. They haven't scored, and they've just been... They've been a bit toothless and very poor defensively. And I don't see how this bad run of form has happened, because it isn't like they were poor already they I think they were five games unbeaten they were in good form before the Euros and they just flopped and I feel like yes Italy were a brilliant team but, but the performance against Wales the defence was what I say quite shocking they were not tracking the men Ramsey had three chances where he just ran in front of the defence brilliant run no one was catching him and he just he fluffed two of them scored once and I think Turkey were probably over overrated. They were overhyped as a team, and they've just completely flopped. Yeah, I think the thing I've noticed watching Turkey, and I have watched both their games, is that when attacking, they've they're kind of a bit of a one man team. It feels like they they don't have a great deal of dynamism. They just kind of whack it up to to Yilmaz, their striker, who I'm just looking here. He scored 16 goals in Liga this season. That's French first division. And I'm looking here. Guess how many goals Mbappe scored? This is on BBC last season. Just a sidetrack. Oh, I League goal. Is it 30? 30-something? 30? Uh, no, it's 27 goals. That's 88 minutes per goal. And people say he's overrated. Well, I feel like Mbappe is brilliant enough. That's why oh, I did. That's mad. That's that is he's goal over a goal a game all season. That's crazy. That is true. Um, going back to anyway, yeah, back to Turkey. They, back to Turkey, especially they, in the first game. I yeah. feel like they were so toothless. And I feel like, yeah, I know you're gonna touch on this, but I think they did improve a bit, but I just feel like they were overhyped. I think good players doesn't mean a good team. If you've got good players, you gotta they gotta to play together, and they obviously haven't because they conceded five. The other dark horse, which is quite talked about quite a lot, was also Denmark, and they've just lost again for the second well, game in the row. Let's 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 talk about that because Denmark have I'm sure that you're all aware, but you know it's not. There've been external factors for Denmark that one of their True. best star players did stuff with cardiac arrest on the pitch, and we're really glad to see that. He's okay, which obviously has a massive impact on the team. And they it's been revealed since by Peter and Kasper Schmeichel that they were essentially forced to finish that game against Finland on that, really. 
um, which impacted on their performance, no doubt. So it's it's not like they haven't had it hard, and we're glad to see Ericsson has been turned out, well, alive. True, but I want to give Denmark praise, actually, because they're actually... Obviously, they haven't picked them any points, which they were unfortunate to do, but they have been very good. They've dominated the midfield. Defence has been quite solid. They haven't been the greatest, but they've been good, and they've created a lot of chances. They just... It's a shame that they haven't put them away. Obviously, they missed the penalty, which it was a difficult penalty, obviously, after the circumstances. But today against Belgium as well, they scored early on. They were looking really good. They dominated Belgium in the first half. Belgium were very poor and Denmark were outclassing them in every position. And then just second half, bit of De Bruyne, the masterclass. And they still had a lot of chances in that second half to score, try and equalise. And they just missed the final hurdle and they just couldn't put their chances away. So I feel like, obviously, people will say because Denmark have lost that they were overhyped again. But I feel like Denmark have played very well. They've just been unlucky to not get any results from their first two games. Yeah, they definitely deserved more. But I'd like to mention another team that I actually mentioned as potential oh. overachievers. And I didn't want to say this to you. I was going to like message you or something being like, oh, you know, I said this because I'm like, oh, I'm just going to, I'm just going to jinx it. So touch wood. But I mentioned as overachieved as a team that have played quite well thus far, I think. I hope you'll agree. And that's the Czech Republic. Yes, Czech Republic. They were, they were brilliant against Scotland. They had a, a really good game plan. They went at it. They kept, kept Scotland at bay. And then they hit them on the counter-attack. And scored a they just scored. Yeah, obviously, we can talk about six goals. Fantastic goal. Obviously, David Marshall's positioning for a goalkeeper. Quite questionable. Thought he was playing CDM, but um, <laughs> it was a brilliant goal. It was a fantastic effort. Even to be able to pull it off is quite crazy. But but then again, Czech were good. But Scotland did have chances. I think they hit the bar twice, which is quite unlucky. I think their goalkeeper might have bailed them out a couple of times. So I feel like maybe a bit of shoring up the defence. And but they have been very well. And to be fair to check, they haven't been placed in an easy group. Probably the second hardest group, I'd say, after the group of death. Because you do have England and Croatia in there, who were both semi-finalists. And one of them was a finalist in the World Cup. So I don't feel like they've had the nicest of groups. And it all depends how they play against Croatia. And if they play like that, I honestly feel like they can beat Croatia. Because Croatia were quite toothless against England, I think. We both watched the game. They weren't at their best at all. The midfield was missing. Modric didn't really get much of the ball. He didn't get to do anything with it. And I feel like Czech can take that game to them and get another three points. And then they're looking they're looking very good to going through. Yeah, I'm I'm hopeful uh that <laughs> um that the Czech Republic can pull off a result actually um against against um Against Croatia, I, I've got my fingers crossed because I I back them um, and I hope to see it carry through. So to be fair, they have actually only played one game, whereas Turkey played two. Um, but let's go Czech Republic. Um, I'd be I'd be very happy to see them progress. Do you were there any other teams you felt were potential dark horses? Well, it's become a bit of a uh, bit of a sensationalized term recently. But um, were there any other teams you picked up on? Yeah, there were there was one, and it was I watched I watched a lot of the game, and it was Slovakia against Poland, and Slovakia were brilliant. Yes, they conceded right at the start of the second half. It was 
they, I think they were caught off guard, but they looked really good in that first half. They were defending and they were so good at counter-attacking. They'd get the ball and they managed to get it so quickly up, up in attack and managed to get a shot off or a chance. And they scored twice from counter-attacking position and they were really good. And the defence was also solid except for the one goal that they conceded. But they were really good. And I don't think many people were expecting Slovakia to be good because they weren't, I didn't hear anybody really talk about them. But they've beaten Poland, who were also another runner for Dark Horse. And now they look, they didn't look great at all. They looked quite toothless. Lewandowski was a calf to go on the wing to try and get the ball. He was quite dreadful in that game. And I feel like Slovakia were really good at defending, winning the ball in the field and then just attacking. And an interesting thing about Slovakia in that game they were, didn't really play with a number nine. They didn't really play with attacker. They were playing with... It was like the three midfielders were playing at the front. The midfield would just push on and you'd have Hamsi, who normally a centre-mid, and he'd be playing as a centre-forward or an attacker even. And it was quite an interesting way that they set up. And they executed that game brilliantly and they'd come off with a win. And I just hope they can carry on and try and get a win against Sweden next. Yeah, it's... Um... It's a decent, it's a decent lineup here from um, from Slovakia. They have Hamsik is obviously their star, but they have uh, Skuniag as well. Duda was their official striker. Uh, they were playing He's a playing supposedly four-two-three-one formation. I didn't watch the game myself. Uh, Dubravka as well. Their goalkeeper is quite reputable. Um, so yeah, they're not to be sniffed at, and um, we'll see. We'll see what happens with them. But surely like they, really, they will really give Spain a run for their money when they eventually play Spain because Spain were quite once again toothless in their game. And I feel like Slacking can win that game if they play brilliantly with counter-attacking football again. Yeah, so I think between the teams we've named there, I think we have a good chance to pick at least one winner. Or not winner, obviously, but a dark someone who would go further than expected. I hope. Or we're just really bad. And we've overhyped these teams, but hopefully not. So I know you want to talk about the first game of the Euros, the quite quite one-sided match. But what's your opinion on the Turkey Italy? Well, it was it was a pretty pretty decent opening game, to be honest, of a much anticipated tournament. And uh, I was watching it with uh, with excitement, and I was just wondering what was it that made Turkey so bad and made Italy so good, really. What, what was it that impacted that game so much? And I think what it came down to was that Italy had a really good game plan to combat Turkey's game plan, which admittedly wasn't very effective, Turkey's game plan, that is. Um, Turkey sat very deep and really their, defend, their whole strategy actually was just to have eight players in the box... <laughs> uh, and just hope that sheer bodies, not tackles, just just bodies would stop, um, would stop Italy, and it it didn't really work. Um, but I think it didn't work because Italy played some really nice football. They had some really, they were patient. Is you know they were happy to just sit there, pass, wait for an opportunity. And then when they saw that opportunity, they were passing quickly through players in the box, winning corners. You saw that for the Chiellini chance. Turkey then tried to counter. Uh, there was one 
Well, there was that one right at the end. Um, uh, Yilmaz, uh, was it? Yeah. In the, in the sort of added time, and Under had a shot as well. And I think Under didn't didn't have such a great impact in the that first game against Italy, but in against Wales, I thought you you were quite effective. Um, but Italy were there to cover; they had nice defence. And then, um, yeah, and Italy, what they did was they passed lots quickly in the box, and they had people running in there to um, to, to pick up on those balls. So they had a plan. They had. Lots of possession. It was 63% possession for Italy. And they were patient with that. You know, they weren't rushing anything. And then they made lots of short passes in the box. Um, there were 58 passes in the attacking third, which is a lot. Uh, 45 into key areas, 14 passes into the penalty area. They were making lots of passes in and around that attacking third. And they were energetic making these runs. As I say they had 13 runs into key play areas nine runs into the penalty area. Um, Turkey were parking the bus. Um, they made three runs into the attacking third, which was quite, which was quite de- dreadful. Um, and they, they didn't really win the ball back. They only won five tackles the whole match. So that was my breakdown um, of the match, ably guided by the myriad of statistics available on the Euros app, which is way more than you get the Premier League. Um, so I was quite excited about that with those runs and passing the attacking third and things. So that was my quite long rant about the um, the Italy game. Well, yeah, I want to talk about. Um, you mentioned under. He didn't actually start for Turkey against no, Italy, he didn't. which um, I think was quite flawed for Italy because he looked really good in the Wales game. He gave, gave that width team. He was actually creating chances for when Turkey were attacking well. He was putting balls in their box. And the problem with Turkey in the Italy game is they just, Yilmaz had no help. He was trying to body Cellini off the ball. He's big defenders and he just had no chance. He had four people swarming him the minute he got the ball. And he was just, he just didn't have anything to do because he couldn't physically get past that Italy defence because there was no one else helping him. And I feel like Turkey played better in the second game because of Unders' runs. He was getting the ball, taking players on. He can, he could give the ball into Yilmaz. And I feel like Turkey went too defensively. They had too many people behind the ball. They couldn't actually attack. They were just very toothless against Italy. And they're not, but not to write off, not to write Italy off. They were fantastic. It was a bit of a cagey first half, but the second half, they really came into the game. They played brilliant football, passing, one-touch passes, made a lot of chances, and they took their chances, which is obviously you want to do. And they also played brilliant against Switzerland. I say they may be a bit more leaky at the back against Switzerland, conceded more chances, but Switzerland were going at it more. But once again, an attack, they were perfect, passing, one-twos, and they were just really good. And the goals were good. Played very high-quality brand of football. Yeah, and it's, you know, I have to commend you that you were talking about Italy as favourites before this tournament, and I noticed actually after you said that, like I started things started coming up on my Instagram. People started talking about Italy. I'm like City fan. He's ahead of the curve. He's like an influencer here. Um, but yeah, they played really, really nice, fast football. Um, look, fast when they had to be, but patient, patient just outside the yeah. box. And like I was talking about the runners. It was was it the Insigne's goal? 
was a good run in, I think, if I remember correctly. Um, and you're right to say that Turkey really were just off it because despite playing so defensively, it's like I said, they won five tackles. That's shocking, really. Um, and I think with Under and Yilmaz, I think what Under provides that Yilmaz doesn't is pace. And I was um, I was having a chat with someone and they were talking about the, the Turkey FD game. And he was saying that the game may have been quite flattering for the Italian defence because Cellini and Bonucci are both around the 35 mark when you don't, you, you don't run as fast as you used to at that age, basically. And Yilmaz is also around that 35-year-old mark. So, you know, there, there was like a combined age of 105 between three players. And it wasn't really the paciest affair, which may have been quite flattering for those centre-backs. Whereas when you put them against the more pacey Switzerland players like um, Bueno and people like that, they might struggle more, which brings us towards the Wales game. And, you know, Dan James, if he gets... If he plays like he has the past two games, I, I don't say we'll win. I don't even say we'll draw, necessarily. But he has the potential to cause problems if those Italian centre-backs struggle more against these pacey players than they did against Yilmaz. So, yeah, I do think that is a very good point because I feel like James and even Bale will give those, I guess you get a slower defenders a run for their money. And I think we are going to move on and talk about Wales in our next talking points. Right, so since we are both Welsh fans, this may end up being a bit of a recurring theme. Well, hopefully it'll be recurring because Wales' presence in this tournament will be recurring. Um, so, yes, since we're Wales fans, City fan, how are you reflecting on Wales' performance so far and also looking forward? Well, the first game, it didn't. we didn't look the best. We were quite... Sloppy. We weren't getting winning the ball back. The midfield was lacking, I guess, especially in the first half. Yeah. I feel like the main problem was we were playing way too deep. We were just playing a bit like how Turkey were against Italy, just with Keith Moore up front. He's having a bit of trouble by himself. Dan James was helping down the wing, but we weren't giving him the ball. We weren't winning the ball in midfield and getting it out. And I feel like that was our downfall. We we just weren't doing anything with the ball, really. We had a couple of chances early on where Dan James did get the ball. He managed to get it in the box, and that's where we were deadly with Keith Moore. He obviously did score the header in the second half, and obviously we conceded a goal from a corner where we didn't have a player on a post. But then against Turkey, we proved a thousand times we were so much better in attacking. We had, I feel like we, we changed up the formation a bit. Ramsey was playing a bit, Bit like a false nine, he made he got about three chances where he was running off the defense, dropping in, and Keith Moore was dropping in deep, and Bales would play in those long balls over, and that did result in the first goal for Wales. And I feel like we're just so much better. Joe Allen was playing higher at the pitch, he was winning the ball, he was winning the ball and passing it, moving play, and we were just so much better. The two midfielders of um. Joe Allen and Joe Morrill, they weren't playing as CDMs or centre-backs. They were playing forward. They were getting the ball and they were playing it. They were just playing out to the wing. The wingers were much better. Bale had a much better performance. He wasn't, I feel like against Switzerland, he was too wide for Wales. He wasn't coming back to get the ball. He was just waiting for the ball and 
didn't really get any of it. He was quite poor. I feel like it worked better with Keith Moore dropping deep. Obviously, you still have the threat at corners with Keith Moore, but him dropping deep, winning the ball and passing it on. And Ramsey was brilliant. His finishing needs probably needs improving a bit. He could have been about three and left if he would have tucked those away. But I feel like we just played so much. We played a lot more positive and that really helped us. And obviously, we did get the goals. We are still, I can say, a bit leaky at the back, possibly very good in the air. But there's a couple of quite messy clearances and defences. We just need to secure the back door a bit. I totally agree. I think the main, probably one of the biggest factors, really, in the difference between those two performances, because quickly on the Switzerland game, we were quite lucky. I'm not lucky, I wouldn't say lucky, but Switzerland was certainly the better team yeah. uh, in the first game. So I think, you know, a draw in that scenario was, was a good result for us. Um, of course, Switzerland had that disallowed goal, um, rightly disallowed, I think, by offside, VAR. But um, so we, a point from that game was a good result. And then I think a big change in the performance was individual performances by what, you know, some people would call our senior players, by Bale, Ramsey, Allen, Davis. And I think certain of those players, maybe they haven't, I'm thinking especially for, um, for Joe Allen, because he's not played a lot for us, Stoke that is this season. Um, he's, he's barely he's barely been able to get a start for Stoke, and I think a lot of that has been because of an injury or injuries, really. Um, so, and Ben Davis maybe hasn't been playing as much as he liked. Ramsey hasn't been playing as much as he liked. Bale, even you know, he's he's had a good run. He's got some one of the best uh, goals against ratios this season for Premier League players, but. Again, he's not been playing as much as he liked. So I think that game where we got a point, which could be really important for us, you know, that can be the, that will quite possibly be the difference between second and third now. Um, made a big, and um, we we got the point, but crucially we got our important players up and running, operating on a higher level. So that, that second game, it was a brilliant performance from us. Really, it, it was both in attack and in defence as well because. Turkey weren't, they weren't without attacking potential with Under, who we talked about. Yilmaz had some good chances. And, you know, at the end there where Ben Davis put in that, like, diving header and then there was a bit of a scuff. And it was a, it was a massive game, really. And I think we did amazing. No, I did really agree. I think from the first minute, we just played so much better. I feel like the formation change was key. I think we were playing a um, a four four one four one four one, but it felt more like Ramsey was the main man up top because he would he would be dropping and he'd be making loads of runs behind the Turkish defence who just weren't tracking him. They were forgetting about him really because I yeah. feel like you're obviously looking at the Dane, the big man in the middle. They're looking at Keith Moore. He's going to win the headers, and they were just forgetting about Ramsey. He was playing as a false niners and extra player, centre attack and field, he was just an extra striker at some point, running in, and he obviously got the goal. It was an amazing ball from Bale, I, I will say, and a brilliant from Ramsey, a touch and the finish. He did obviously waste a couple of chances, and they could have come back to bite us, but luckily we managed to see through, and I feel like also scoring two goals is important, because I feel like goal difference will possibly, well, quite likely be the difference between second and third and 
obviously second is such a better option because we get to play another second place team while as we came third i'd be very likely we'd be looking at one of the top dogs your belgium one of them and i feel like the goal difference scoring another goal as it seemed didn't seem to do a lot in the game as we were on top by the end but it also just helped with the goal difference i'll say one thing though about that last game that last goal it's quite funny robbie savage was on commentary he's like keep it in the corner keep it in the corner and then twice gareth bale runs it down the line like the player that he is because he's he's been an amazing player over the past years and and that goal was it was great because it was such a cool celebration and it was like 90 plus fifth minute and there'd been a fight there'd been loads of added time and we battled and we scored the goal and it was awesome but it it, it rendered my prediction null and void. I would have predicted the one nil win correctly, <laughs> and we scored this this seemingly unnecessary goal, and uh, I was pleased. But it was like, well, do we really need to do that? Really? Um, but no, it, it was seriously, it was class. But I, I I thought I was nailed on for prediction there, and you know, the ninetieth minute, I was right. There were four minutes of added time. The ninety fourth minute, I was right. Yeah, fraud. And then. The like the last kick of the game, virtually, I was rendered rendered incorrect. So that's that's what I would say about that last one. But I really think if Wales do come second, we can beat whoever we play in the round of 16. I think it'll either be Denmark, Finland or Russia. And then that puts us in the quarters. We'll probably get a difficult, difficult um, team. But you never know. We beat Belgium last time, I think. Beautiful. We are... We played very well. We just need to secure a couple of things at the back. We need to stop conceding as many crosses because I feel like yeah, and obviously we conceded to a corner against Switzerland, and obviously now we have players on the post. But um, I think we need to be careful with sometimes giving the ball away in the wing, playing playing in the back too much. Sometimes it can against a bigger team who will press you. It might be riskier, but I feel like we played very well, and I hope we can also try and get a result against Italy. I don't think we will because Italy is such a, a brilliant team, but the counter-attacking threat could be there, and you never know. You never know. It would be quite cool though, if, you know, like Keith and Moore, this big, what's been dubbed Brexit football second division defender, scores the first goal in nine games against Donnarumma, one of the up-and-coming greats of football. You know, played in Italy his whole life since he was 17 and he gets done by an impressive header from big Kiefer Moore. That would be sick. But if we can continue those performances, on serious note, really, um, like we performed against, against um, Turkey, if we can perform like that, then we do have a brilliant chance of going far. Rob Page, uh, is, Rob is his first name, the manager, yeah. is not, he's not a big, a big name manager like... Um, Martinez or but but he seems to be addressing our weaknesses, you know, on the corners and the and the crosses. We looked better in that second game, and I think an important thing that people have highlighted about Wales and people talk about it at the 2016 as well is that it always seems like, and I'm sure it's true in practice as well, that we have such great team spirit that you know at the end there where you saw people just chucking their heads at balls in the box to defend. People rushing forward to score the second goal. There does seem to be good spirit in the squad where you hear in others, such as the France squad, that there have been potential falling out. Potentially not. You know, potentially it's all just media noise. 
nothing. But it seems that we're such a, a close group, the lads, which, which is really good. And I think that kind of reflects, in many ways, it reflects the a- actual Wales as well, that, you know, it's a small country. There aren't massive differences within the country. So I guess everyone's quite, quite similar and there's a good, it seems that there's a good dynamic in the squad. No, I completely agree with you there. It's we're very, very motivated. We don't, yeah, we, except for that Switzerland game, I don't feel like we're a team who will just sit back and defend for 90 minutes with shit hours We will actually always go into a game and looking for goals, which is a nice, nice spirit to have, nice attitude to have for a team. Well, of course, because, you know, when you've got, um, when you've got Gareth Bale in your squad, then you always have a chance. That's what you say about Wales. They have superstar players, not just Gareth Bale, but Ramsey as well. And Kiefer Moore can make the difference. Aaron, um, Aaron Ramsey, I've said him. Um, ben Davis, you know, anyone can make. Dan James. Dan James plays so well for Wales. He's been so good in the past two games. And then he plays so badly for United. But that doesn't matter because we're not United fans. <laughs> yeah. But for, for Wales, he's so, he's so fast. He's so fast. It is brilliant. He's just, I feel like he gets, gets more ball, obviously, when you're playing in the big club. There's a lot of superstars. They want to be on the ball. They want to be main man on the team. I feel like here he gets more of the of the light, more of the shine, and he actually gets the ball more often. He gets to do stuff with the ball, and he does play very well for Wales. Yeah, I think that, I mean, he also maybe he's in a, a comfortable environment where he feels he's valued and gets game time, which, which makes a difference. Um, and that might be why he performs better. But if we can perform like that, we, we do have a great chance to go far, and, and I hope that it happens. Maybe Wales is a dark horse. <laughs> Let's hope. So, in this part of the show, we like to talk about our predictions, which we make every week on, uh, well, previously Premier League FA Cup action, but now Euros. You can see our predictions. Um, you can see our predictions on the Instagram at Casual Fixed Podcast underscore. But this week, it, it wasn't our most exciting week. In predictions really but I do think that we're getting better because I predicted another correct result somehow I correctly predicted Hungary nil Portugal three uh, three goals in the last 10 minutes for Portugal have rendered my prediction um, correct so I was very pleased about that and as I say I think we're getting predictions correct with increasing frequency so yeah I- I do agree because I was looking at my predictions and I have so many close ones, one goal off and one of them was France. If they didn't have those two goals this loud, would have beaten Germany 3-0. I knew France would... France, I guess France didn't dominate the game, but Germany never really looked like they were going to win, did they? They looked, they played quite poor, I think, Germany. I actually, I was quite sad. I missed that game. I went swimming to a lake with my family so I, missed, oh, I was gutted my mum was like oh we're gonna go on Tuesday I was like okay that's fine I looked on my I looked and I was like oh it's Germany the game Germany France game and she was like ah so, but it was a good game and Germany had a lot of the ball France were playing France kind of parking the bus but then they had the 
crazy threat on the counter-attack because they've obviously got Mbappe, he's brilliant. They've got really good players to fuel the counter-attack. And that is what they did. They went ahead. They they scored two goals, which were this loud. They were from the counter-attack. And Germany had the ball a lot. I think just so toothless. The players didn't play well. Nabru is shocking. Sane, he was horrendous, I would say. He was... I think in the last last like two minutes in injury time, he lost the ball twice in an attacking position. He was poor. Cruz Cruz took about five set pieces, and they were all terrible. He was he wasn't on his game. I didn't see Gundogan with the ball much. They just didn't have any really good performances from their team. When Werner came on, he didn't have an impact really. And I feel like the way they set up, they just they set up to win the ball to get the ball. But then they just don't know what to do with it. They were just throwing balls in the box. No, no really, no real skill, no real action plan. They just putting balls in the box and they just didn't get anything out of it. And, and France played very well. They were really good defensively. Griezmann was very good. He was back in the box defending, winning tackles in midfield. He was really good. Shout out. Uh, well, I just feel like he played very well in that game. But I feel, yeah, Germany were were not their greatest like we did predict that Germany would head out early. And I feel like if they play like that against Portugal, they will head out early. Well, you know, it, it's, it's like I said in the first episode, it's because Joachim Lowe's retiring after this tournament. So they feel like they're on their wind down and they perform well. That's, that's I maintain. I just feel like you can't... It's like the last week of school when you don't feel like doing anything. Because you know you're finishing next week. It, that is true. <laughs> it, it's, it's, I, I don't feel like it, it's going to help them at all. Um, but, but yeah, we, yeah. we, I think you're right when you say that we had quite a few that were just a few goals off. We didn't really, uh, or I like to think, we didn't, there was that one that I got right. But apart from that, there wasn't anyone where I thought, oh, we've done really well there. There wasn't really one where I thought, oh, we've done really badly. Well, I feel like there was, there's one quite big elephant in the room, I think, for both of us. Uh, I, don't, and I don't know what you mean. I don't think people... It isn't like we predicted a bad result, but I feel like the Denmark-Finland game was a shock result. Obviously, Finland did win 1-0. But I'm looking at predictions. You predicted 2-0, I predicted 3-0. That wasn't the greatest of predictions, obviously. Mark were good, but they didn't score and Finland did get the three points in the end. I feel like that wasn't the greatest of predictions. I think that was probably our worst worst effort for this game. I feel like one I got really close to, and I was watching this game, and I was like, oh, yes. It was um, the Netherlands-Ukraine game when it went to 2-2. So I predicted 2-2 and I was like, oh, I might get an actual, a really good result right here. And then uh, Netherlands went and scored again and destroyed my hopes of being able to brag of my genius, but, you know, that's it. Yeah, that was a um, that was a shame for you that, you know, you couldn't match my one prediction in a whole 12-game game week wonder record. It's, uh, cool it's, it's not exactly it's not exactly fabulous, but we'll take it. Um, did, did you want to touch on any mistakes that I may or may not have made with my prediction? No, I do want to say that Hungary... Yes, they lost 3-0, but I don't think they deserved the 3 0 It flattered Portugal that scoreline. They did play really good and they um they were just in the game and it was a shame that they conceded so many late on because 
the result I think don't doesn't really re- um, represent the game of how it went because to, Hungary played well. They had chances, especially in the first half, and I feel like it was harsh for them to lose by three at the end there. Yeah, did they miss a penalty as well? Or was that am I getting confused? No. Yeah, they missed penalty. Quite an interesting thing is though, is that four out of five penalties have been missed in Euro twenty twenty. You had Hoiberg missed the penalty, Bale missed the penalty, um, Alioski missed the penalty. He scored on the rebound, and I think a Ukrainian player. I'm not sure what's his name. Yeah, um, Ruslan Malinovsky missed. I think. I don't want to attempt his name because I will definitely get it wrong. But he also missed the penalty. So quite interesting. A lot of penalties aren't really being converted. I can't. I can't actually think of which one has been converted. Ronaldo. Ronaldo. Of course, it's Ronaldo. But yeah, do you think it's possible that, is... that it's because people play in their um, because people are playing in their national teams, they maybe wouldn't be used to taking penalties. I think Bale is the exception. You know, Bale was on penalties for Tottenham this season, maybe. I mean, and no, he's obviously okay. going to do. He's always been on penalties. Oh yeah, yeah. So even with Bale... yeah, I don't think Bale has. Taking any, pe- I was surprised to see him on penalties actually because um, Ramsey normally takes him for Wales and he does. He's, I think, he's got quite a clean record for Wales. But yeah, when you look at the squad, there isn't a, a player who takes penalties for the club, and that can be a problem for a country if they don't have a designated penalty taker. Because, well, obviously, a lot of players have missed penalties. Yeah, like I can't imagine that Alioski takes penalties for Leeds. True. <laughs> I don't think he's getting the head of Bamford. <laughs> yeah, so that's what I was... Um, I mean, that's a possible reason. Or maybe it's just the, the, the pressure. I'm not sure. But, um, One um, thing I want to touch on before before we end off today is uh, some of the games that we have to come, especially um, tomorrow. We have a, a brilliant game of football, which will be brilliant for fans. It's Scotland-England, and I feel like it is at Wembley. England have a mass advantage, but I don't think Scotland should be written off because they played, yes, they lost 2-0 to Czech and Czech will play, played really good, but as I mentioned before, Scotland did have loads of chances. At another day, they could have been 2-0 up. They hit the bar twice, as I said. They had some, the Bravka had to make some really good saves to stop likes of Robertson and McGinn from scoring. They did have a good game. They just, they just couldn't finish their chances and I feel like if they try and play like that again, maybe they take the chances this time. They can give England a run for their money. And it's true that England are at home, but it's not like the game is five thousand miles away. I mean, I don't, I don't think any. Yeah, there will be a lot of Scottish fans, won't there? Because it's yeah, quite a close destination for them. Exactly, and you know that the Tottenham fans, uh, Tottenham fans. What am I talking about? Um, that the Scotland fans, sorry, will make some noise, unlike Tottenham fans. The Scottish fans will make a lot of noise oh, and they will get oh, behind their team. Take um, a little jab there at Tottenham. Okay, City fan. Um, um, so, you know, you know that Scotland, the Scottish supporters will really get behind their team uh, and that can be a big advantage because I think you're right. I think there'll be a lot of them down. Yeah, I think it'd be, it'd be very entertaining to watch and I can't wait to watch it with two England fans and take my top off when Robertson scores a worldie. But, you know, we move. <laughs> Andy Robertson curls one in from the halfway line. 
I do have him in the fantasy team, so I hope he scores. Oh, I had Ali, I've got Alioski on my back. Defender, and I thought Robertson's probably on pens as well. I've got Alioski on my bench, so I need, and he's already played, and he's got five points. So yeah. I need. Well, I need I've Connor Roberts on the bench, and he scored and got a clean sheet, and it's such a painful 12 points. And I put Denea in because I thought, oh, he probably won't play for, for Belgium. So then Connor Roberts will come in. But no, he played, and then he uh, gave the ball away in two minutes, and uh, Denmark scored. So. My fantasy team is off to a blinding start. Well, hopefully I can make up some ground on you, but but we'll see over the course of the uh, the game week. And we we eagerly await to see if we can get any more correct predictions. And you can find them on our Instagram at the Casual Footy Fans Podcast underscore. So that concludes another episode of the Casual Footy Fans Podcast. And as ever, we really hope you enjoy it. We really enjoyed the Euros so far. We hope it keeps up with this energy and we'll be doing some more podcasts along the way. So check us out on all your listening platforms and follow us on Instagram at the Casual Footy Fans Podcast underscore.